can't win a debate, what do you do? You've got to shut it down. Um, and so that's effectively what these anti-boycott laws are trying to do, um, whether by hook or by crook, they're going to chill dissents on Palestinian rights. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. This is the Electronic Intifada podcast. I'm Nora Barrows-Friedman. And I'm Asa Winstanley. There are a number of examples of how boycotts have been used effectively, where people withhold their money, withhold their labor, withhold their time until things change. And to have a proliferation of bills that are criminalizing or penalizing that is really, really troubling and problematic. I was just opening my annual contract from the state of Arizona, and I was rather shocked to see this. In order to get our money, we have to pledge not to boycott Israel. Like, what does the state of Israel have to do with Texas and elementary school? Basically, all it says is uh, contractor warrants. He does not and will not participate in a boycott of Israel as defined by, and it gives the law a number. When people actually understand what the state is doing here, they would be absolutely horrified and appalled that could be trading away Americans' First Amendment rights so easily. Hello, and welcome back to the Electronic Intifada podcast. That was a trailer for the documentary film Boycott. We continue our focus on legislative attempts to crush the boycott, divestment, and sanctions campaign for Palestinian rights in the U.S. In February, the U.S. Supreme Court decided not to hear an appeal to the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals ruling last year that boycotts of Israel are not protected by the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. The American Civil Liberties Union, representing one of our guests today, had appealed to the country's top court, hoping to reverse a 2017 Arkansas law that required the state to create a blacklist of companies that boycott Israel and forced public entities to divest from blacklisted companies. The part of the law at issue in this case was the requirement that state contractors provide written certification that they do not and will not boycott Israel. That law was first struck down in 2021 when the Eighth Circuit Court ruled that it was unconstitutional because it was an attempt by a government body to compel political speech. But shortly after, a bigger panel of judges from the same court reversed the decision. With the Supreme Court deciding not to hear the appeal, the Eighth Circuit Court's decision now stands. The ruling focused on a case brought by our guest, Alan Leverett, the publisher of the Arkansas Times, who was required to declare that the newspaper would not boycott Israel as a condition of receiving state contracts. 35 U.S. states have passed measures condemning or attempting to restrict the Boycott, Divestment and Sanctions, or BDS, campaign for Palestinian rights. Encouraged by Israel lobby groups and the Israeli government itself, politicians claim that refusing to purchase Israeli products and criticizing Israel's human rights violations or its state ideology, Zionism, is tantamount to anti-Jewish bigotry. Joining us to talk about the significance of the Arkansas law standing in direct violation of the First Amendment and how this affects the movement for Palestinian rights in the U.S. is Alan Leverett, publisher of the Arkansas Times, and Suhad Baba, producer of the documentary film Boycott, which is a fantastic deep dive into the fight against these anti-BDS measures and is now out on streaming platforms. We'll tell you how you can watch the film coming up. But first, Alan and Suhad, thank you so much for being with us today on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Nora. Thank you for having us, Nora. 
Thanks for being here. Uh, let's dive into the current situation around the U.S. Supreme Court uh, deciding not to hear uh, your appeal, Alan, over the Eighth Circuit Court's ruling last year. This allows the decision to keep this draconian law on the books. Um, walk us through the last few years since your refusal to sign essentially a loyalty oath to Israel in order to receive uh, state contracts or advertisements for your local newspaper um, up to what happened last month. And and if you well, can lay out the details of, of the 2017 law and, and how it affected okay. you. Well, it, it just sort of came out of the blue. I mean, we're an intensely local publication. We don't address international issues anywhere in our magazine. We're about Arkansas history, culture, politics. Um, it's an Arkansas magazine. And uh, but the legislature passed this bill along with uh, many other legislature legislatures, uh, requiring that we uh, pledge basically take a political position uh, not to boycott Israel in return for to, to be able to continue receiving advertising from colleges, universities, health departments, state entities. And we have a policy, we've been going, this is our 49th year. We've never, we've never taken a political position in return for advertising dollars, and we're not prepared to start now. And uh, so we, we, at first we just ignored it. We thought, you know, there's, think of the hundreds of thousands of transactions that state government does every month. Uh, sheetrock hangers, uh, uh, paper, uh, copiers, advertising. And um, we just assumed there was no way they could enforce such a law. And, uh, uh, but there was one, one guy, one, one purchasing agent at a college that was going to uh, not let it go and he didn't. And so uh, we started losing our contract. And, and when we did, we, uh, uh, we sued. And um, for us, we're not boycotting Israel. I mean, some for your listeners, uh, viewers, uh, we are doing this strictly on First Amendment grounds. We don't. We, you can't tell us. You can't tell us what to say. And uh, so uh, we we sued the state, and we lost. And uh, so that's the, the state maintained that boycotting is a, an economic activity. Uh, and is um, uh, therefore an economic activity. Therefore, the state can regulate economic activity. Uh, and so that's, that's the uh, line that the court bought. Uh, it conflicts with my ninth grade civics book uh, dramatically. So, uh, you know, anyway, that's where we are. Thanks but for I'll that. Yeah. Make one point real quickly. This only applies in the states under the Eighth Circuit. So that's about eight or nine states. We have won, this position has carried the day, our position has carried the day in every other court in the United States, except for in the Eighth Circuit. So the, the anti-BDS laws have been overturned or been watered down, uh, changed, whatever, in every other state that this has come up, that this has been challenged at. So we've only lost in the Eighth Circuit. We have not lost in the country. Right, right. Um, and and the Supreme Court decided not to hear your case. Uh, is are there any um, plans to bring this up again? Uh, what's the next step here? Well, <clears throat> for us, it's damage control. I mean, we're a you know we're not a we're not a wealthy organization. We started on two hundred dollars in capital in nineteen seventy four. Um, 
So right now it's just damage control. We're not signing the pledge. We've, we've made that clear. And so there's this weird quirk in the law. It says that it's in the, uh, it's in the, um, uh, it's in the interest of the state of Arkansas that all contractors pledge not to boycott Israel, except if they'll give the state a 20% discount. And if we'll give the state a 20% discount on whatever the product is, then we can go on, we can continue not, we can, we can continue to boycott Israel and that's just fine. So basically I got to tip the state of Arkansas like I tip my waiter. And uh, if I give them a 20%, I'd tip 20%. And so if I give them a 20% tip, then we can continue doing business. And so that's what we're going to do. Wow. And you've also um, called on your readership. Um, so you have, you have reader support as well. Um, to, we do. To, we, yeah. we, we, we charge $120 a year uh, for full access to our website, which is, has a lot of political commentary on it. We have a, right now it's a crazy town in Arkansas in terms of state legislature. Uh, they're just obsessed with sex right now, trans, gay, drag, you name it. And um, so we have a lot of commentary, a lot of coverage. And so we have, as of this morning, we have 3,640 readers who have signed up at $120 a year. And that is financing our, that completely pays for our newsroom. Um, if this had happened two years ago, uh, I may not have been able to uh, refuse that that signature, but today, uh, we're, we're going to, you know, long as we keep growing our subscriptions, I think we'll be okay. And what about, uh, other publications, other, you know, activists, uh, people who just want to be able to, um, you know, get state contracts and not have to sign a loyalty oath to, to a foreign, I mean, these, these oaths are like, you know, you don't even have to sign a loyalty oath to the United States to, to receive, you know, state contracts. Um, what's the significance of every, every other, every other news media in Arkansas has signed the, uh, has signed the pledge as far as I know. Uh, it's interesting. We're going to, like, we're going to be meeting with him uh, next week, there was a dermatologist who was giving a paper at the University of Arkansas. And after he gave it, they uh, told him he needed to sign this pledge not to boycott Israel. He wouldn't do it. So they wouldn't give him his honorarium. And so it turns out that they misread the law. There's a thousand dollar floor on, on our law. And his honorarium was under $1,000. And so when that was finally pointed out to him, I believe he did get his honorarium. But we'll be doing a story on that uh, coming up in the Arkansas Times. Great. We look forward to reading that. I mean, that reminds me of uh, the journalist Abby Martin, who was uh, scheduled to give a keynote speech in Georgia a couple of years ago. And under that state's very similar anti-BDS measure, um, she had to sign a loyalty oath to Israel in order to receive the honorarium, and she she went ahead and sued. Um, Suhad, I want to bring you in a little bit. Um, let's talk about the ways that similar anti-BDS laws are, are being applied in other states. There are 35 states now which have passed 
this kind of measure, um, but many have been challenged by civil rights advocates. The film Boycott focuses on Arkansas, but also Texas, where that measure was taken to court by a speech pathologist, Bahia Amawi, and in Arizona, where an attorney working with incarcerated people, Michael Jordan, uh, challenged that state's measure in court, and both Bahia and, and Michael and their attorneys were able to convince the courts that these were direct affronts to their First Amendment rights. Um, can you talk a little bit about how these measures play out um, and, and how Alan's case is just one of many? Absolutely. Um, so, you know, our team at Just Vision has been following this story since the murmurings of the anti-boycott laws began in the U.S., um, understanding that as they started to spread both in the United States and Europe, um, that they were driven and being mirrored and inspired by measures um, in Israel um, and driven by the Israeli government. Um, we also um, understood that these laws um, quickly would become a potential template to silence dissent on a whole range of issues. And I think the first thing to, to kind of do here is to take a little bit of a step back. What's happening? Why are these laws coming into play? Um, and on what we're seeing as a team, we've been doing this work for about 20 years. Americans are increasingly understanding that the situation on the ground in Israel and Palestine um, is unjust and want to take action. Um, and, you know, we actually just saw 2022, 2022's Gallup poll um, cite that there are major increases in sympathies with Palestinians across the United States, and Democrats are actually um, shifting toward um, uh, sim greater sympathies for Palestinian rights for the first time. Um, and it's really the shift in debate that's causing a shift in strategy by Israel in the U.S. and globally. And when you can't win a debate, what do you do? You've got to shut it down. Um, and so that's effectively what these anti-boycott laws are trying to do, um, whether by hook or by crook, they're going to chill dissents on Palestinian rights. And so, so when we see the ratcheting up of what's happening on the ground in Israel-Palestine, when we see the situation and the violence toward Palestinians um, continue to go unchecked, um, it's very natural that audiences, certainly in the United States and globally, want to find ways of meaningful solidarity with Palestinians. And we've seen this across time. We've seen this in South Africa and beyond. So a lot of what's happening makes sense in context. Um, a government who cannot control the debate that is going great lengths to shut it down. Um, and there is a lot of lots of fight. And I think this is where um, Alan's story um, intersects with a whole range of stories. We had the chance to um, interview and come to know all of the plaintiffs that had been challenging the laws at the time. So Abby Martin, Bahia Amawi, um, Mikhail Jordal, um, and, and, and beyond, who said, enough, you're not going to be taking our, our free speech rights. Um, and luckily, all of those plaintiffs have won their cases. As, as Alan mentioned, federal judges consistently across the country have said, these laws are blatantly unconstitutional. At the same time, what's happening, um, we're seeing anti-boycott laws um, that are copycat laws being used to target other issue areas. So um, in 2021, in the spring of 2021, we began to see anti-boycott laws that are meant to shield the fossil fuels industry and the firearms industries emerge in places like Texas, Oklahoma, Alaska, and beyond. At the end of uh, December 2022, we actually saw the copycat bills expand one more time to take aim at those who are concerned with abortion access, workplace equity, and transgender people's rights. 
Um, and we just saw this week that Texas introduced a new bill that's actually meant um, to take aim at those who are concerned with immigrant rights um, by, by shielding boycotts of companies that contract with ICE. Um, and what we knew from the get-go was that there are no exceptions on issue areas. So often Palestine is treated exceptionally in our domestic politics, where anything as it relates to Israel-Palestine is given a rubber stamp by Democrats and Republicans alike. That's how these bills got passed in the first place. But there are no exceptions. There's only templates. And that's exactly what we're seeing with the fossil spread to fossil fuels, firearms, abortion, and so on. Um, and so that's where we are today with the Supreme Court decision not to hear Allen's case. Um, it does mean that the law of the land and everywhere except the states under the Eighth Circuit's jurisdiction continues to be that we have a right to boycott. Um, that's an important thing to note. At the same time, it means that this fight is going to continue to play out in the lower courts across the country and in our backyards. And so um, that's that's the state of play currently. Um, and it's also part of the reason that um, as a team at Just Vision and as, as filmmakers and journalists, it was so important to us to make sure that stories like Alan's sees the light of day so that people understand what's taking place in real time while we still have a chance to fight it. Right. Thanks for that. Um, and I do want to uh, go to a clip of Bahia Amawi, uh, the speech pathologist in Texas, speaking in the film about the right to boycott, and then we'll come right back. I have a lot of family members that still reside in the occupied territory. I know and I've seen firsthand the injustice and inequality that goes on there. They close off main roads, only permitting Israelis to drive on those roads. Basically, the, the core idea is to make it as hard as possible for them to function and to have any livelihood at all. When you have school closures and arresting young children. He is just a child. Why are you taking him? And I could not, you know, stay quiet and just go on with my life. Well, I know that this law is going to make it okay to continue this kind of oppression against the Palestinians. That was Bahia Amawi, a speech pathologist in Texas who successfully challenged that state's anti-BDS law a couple of years ago. And, um, Let's uh, let's talk about uh, more about the film and and kind of the the, the background here of of the you know uh, how these laws were were introduced and passed around the U.S. Uh, in the film, Israel's Ministry of Strategic Affairs was highlighted. This is a body of the Israeli government tasked with crushing BDS actions uh, and or you know organizing around the world and working directly with foreign governments, including U.S. lawmakers, to do this. Um, the ministry even admitted in 2017 to working through front groups that, quote, do not want to expose their connection with the state. Today, the ministry has been somewhat folded into the uh, Israeli foreign ministry, um, but its former head, Gilad Erdan, who is now Israel's ambassador to the U.S. and the U.N., uh, who once denied that Israel had anything to do with these U.S. laws, took credit a few years ago for passing these laws. He said, quote, 
our efforts are producing results. 27 U.S. states now have counter-BDS legislation. Let's give a hand to all the governors and state legislators who supported this law. They deserve it. Um, let's talk about the role that Israeli government officials and U.S.-based Israel lobby groups have played in influencing or orchestrating restrictions of civil rights in the U.S. I mean, it, it, it's just, you know, if any other foreign government, um, you know, the, the enemy of the day is Russia, for example. Um, if Russian, you know, lobby groups and, and, and ministers um, had been pushing for legislation here in the U.S., we wouldn't hear the end of it. Um, can you talk a little bit about how how you know how the Israeli government uh, is is influencing U.S. politics right now? Sure. Um, you know, in the case of the anti-boycott laws, and you already mentioned the Ministry of Strategic Affairs, so let's start there. Um, you know, in the research that we did around these anti-boycott bills, um, we really wanted to understand whose interests were driving this um, and, and how did they come into being. Um, and through that research, it brought us back to the Ministry of Strategic Affairs, which for those who are listening is a ministry under the um, Israeli government that was set up um, to with a stated goal of combating the boycott divestment sanctions movement and any efforts to delegitimize de the state of Israel globally. That's quite broad. Um, what we also learned was that um, the Ministry of Strategic Affairs um, went ahead and wanted to fund efforts like the anti-boycott laws um, in places like the United States and Europe. And as you alluded to, Nora, um, organizations in the U.S. understood that this looked really bad. In fact, it could come into tension with um, American law around FARA or the Foreign Agent Registration Act if they took money directly from the Israeli government. So the Israeli government, in a very open public hearing um, with the Knesset, actually deliberates on what are they going to do about it. And what they land on is that they would set up a non-governmental organization called CONCERT, where they would funnel the funds so that they could fuel these efforts in the United States. Um, and there were many organizations that they funded um, um, that we tracked in our story boycott, including Christians United for Israel, the Israel Allies Foundation. Um, and that brings us to the lobbying groups here in the United States and the various interest groups that are converging around these anti-boycott laws and what's happening on Israel-Palestine. What we learned was that um, Christian evangelical organizations that take a fundamentalist view of Christianity um, and literally reads modern day Israel as biblical Israel and therefore the Jews must return for the second coming to emerge, have aligned with your traditional Israel lobbying groups um, around these anti-boycott bills. And a third interest group that has come into the mix, um, it, that's actually the engine for the spread of these bills quickly across the country is ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council. Um, for those um, who are unfamiliar with ALEC, they are behind a number of regressive laws in this country, um, from stand your ground laws to voting ID laws and beyond. Um, their ultimate aim is to align conservative um, legislative interests with corporate interests. And so that's how they step into that picture. Alan, I want to come back to you. Um, it, you know, being a publisher in the South of the U.S., um, you know, and, and with these kinds of lawmakers who have this very evangelical fundamentalist um, and, and actually anti-Semitic, um, you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, connection oh, yeah. to, yeah, exactly, <laughs> connection to, 
to uh, to supporting Israel at all costs. Um, how, you know, how do you even navigate as as not just a, a publisher of a local newspaper, but but as as someone who is from Arkansas, um, when you see these, you know, Christians United for Israel, for example, and and these these lawmakers who are who are doing the bidding um, of this like you know fanatical evangelical um, belief. There's been a tremendous growth of the evangelical movement during the last couple of decades, particularly in the South. Um, it's just something we have to deal with. I mean, it's driving right now. Uh, I mean, we're doing, the legislature is just absolutely absorbed with uh, trans and LGBTQ issues right now, um, making it a felony to be, they were trying to make it a felony to be trans. Uh, just crazy stuff. But all this is driven by their reading of the Bible. And um, the uh, Senator Bart Hester, who introduced the anti-BDS bill, uh, is an evangelical Christian, and he explained that uh, uh, we got to we have to support Israel because we cannot have the second coming, um, and we cannot have the destruction of the earth in uh, Armageddon until uh, uh, Israel regains its borders, its biblical borders under King David. To me, that's a religious fantasy that's that's driving it's it's hocus pocus that's driving policy, and um, we need to be talking about roads and education and not about bathroom bills and uh, anti BDS bills. So you just deal with it. It's part of our culture, and uh, it's not everybody by any means. Fortunately, Little Rock is a blue island in a red state, and that's where we are. So, uh, but it still affects us, and it's it's still rough sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I, I can imagine. Um, the film is now out on streaming platforms, uh, and we recently reviewed it <clears> on <throat> the Electronic Intifada. Um, so, had how has boycott been received so far, and what kinds of conversations do you hope that it sparks around the U.S. and elsewhere uh, around the world as other countries face similar restrictions on free speech in order to shield Israel from criticism or application of uh, human rights law? Thank you for the question, Nora. Um, you know, we we created this film understanding that part of the reason um, these anti-boycott bills could could pass and pass so quickly was because there was a lack of public scrutiny on them. Um, and so our aim with creating this film was to stir up a conversation, to make sure our journalists and our media outlets are covering this story, but covering it accurately with an understanding of um, the implications of these laws on real people um, and on our broader rights as Americans. Um, and also to make sure that um, decision makers were aware of what this meant um, for um, our constitutional rights and that everyday people and communities across the country and around the globe had a tool to organize in the face of these laws being introduced in their backyards. Um, but importantly, I think even to take this a step further, to really um, start asking the question, how are these laws passing? What is it about the culture that we have in our po po political um, environment and around Israel um, that is allowing for bills like these to pass um, and to catch us on our heels, right? And I think um, what's been meaningful is that this story has been um, 
um, really embraced across the world. Um, we were very fortunate to be able to debut the film in places like South by Southwest in Texas, Hot Docs in Canada, um, a number or dozens of film festivals across the country and around the globe. Um, and in the fall, we began what um, is our community and educational outreach campaign with this film, where we're working to reach students, activists, educators, journalists, decision makers, um, community and faith leaders, um, and to equip um, organizers with a story like this one to use in their organizing efforts locally, whether that's in places like Minnesota or in places like the United Kingdom, where similar bills um, are being introduced and, and expected to drop any day now. Um, and so to date, we've had about 125, more than 125 in-person screenings. Um, we're really glad that the film is now available for people to be able to watch it in their homes with their friends and loved ones and communities. Um, and we're going to keep campaigning on this story, knowing that um, these bills aren't going to go away um, and that we have a lot of work to do. Um, and we've also seen some really meaningful progress, right? I think we've seen um, outlets really start to pick up the story, um, MSNBC see the Los Angeles Times, the New York Times, we've seen allies grow around what's happening on the anti-boycott bills, um, people who are concerned with dissents really stepping into the, the mix, people who are understanding this as a fundamental attack on our democratic freedoms, um, and really understanding that it's starting to, to necessitate um, joining forces across communities um, to to really work um, to challenge these bills. Um, we've also found that you know the that people are just both absolutely shocked that this is happening, right? Time and time again, every audience we've screened for is in dismay that um, our political leaders think that they can get away with um, curbing our ability to speak. Um, and, and so we know that um, this is a kind of classical instance where our political leaders have acted in ways that are not aligned with our interests or what the people want. And um, that with um, stories like this one and, and efforts like yours to help bring attention to these, um, we believe there's a long way we can go in creating change and a different kind of conversation on this. Thanks, Suhad. And Alan, um, what about what about you? How how are you? Um, you know, uh, when you speak to people about uh, the this like legal battle that you've been involved in for years now, um, you know, how do you hope people uh, in your community across the state of Arkansas respond to to this film and, well, and your ongoing fight? It's been an education for all of us, including myself. Um, we showed the, uh, we premiered the film in Little Rock as a fundraiser for the Arkansas chapter of the American Civil Liberties Union. And we had two, 200 people bought tickets and contributed to the ACLU. And I think Suhad was there, I think there was a sort of a sense of outrage on, on behalf of a lot of people. They just weren't aware of it. And the film itself got a standing ovation after the, after it showed. So uh, it does move people. It, it's very affecting. And, um, but again, it is, it is just so remote from Arkansas. I mean, the whole idea of Israeli foreign policy and, and Palestinian rights, there are no Palestinians that live here uh, to speak of. So it's just really remote for us. And, uh, but the film has been very, very effective and, uh, uh, and people reacted to it very much like I hoped they would. And how can people support the Arkansas Times and, and check you out on the web? Yes, arctimes.com. 
Great. Thanks, Alan. And Suhad, uh, how can people see the film and, and organize screenings of it in their own communities? So the film is now available on Amazon Play, on Amazon, Google Play, um, Apple TV, and so on. You can check out www.justvision.org um, backslash boycott to get links directly to those platforms so you can watch that in your homes um, with your families. Um, we are also working to reach um, at university campuses, um, community centers, congregations, conferences across the country. And so if you're interested in ho hosting a public screening of the film, um, contact us at events at justvision.org. Um, and we would be delighted to get, to get started with you. Great. Suhad Baba and Alan Leverett, thank you so much for all that you do and for being with us on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Thank you, Nora. Thank you, Nora. Thanks for watching this video. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit like, leave a comment. These engagements help us with the YouTube algorithm and it helps us to get around Silicon Valley censorship as much as possible. It does make a difference. You can also support our journalism by going to electronicintifada.net and clicking on donate now. Thank you.